Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to yet another episode of BU with Declan Edwards. Now, I know every single episode, every single week, I tell you that I'm so excited for the episode about to come, but I have never been excited for an episode as I am today. So today we have a very, very special guest joining us from Sydney, uh, who I really look up to. And the best part is I only actually met this amazing man last week whilst I was down in Sydney doing some more study. Um, He's an absolutely incredible human being who's doing awesome things at helping people um, appreciate themselves. So a little bit of backstory on how I met our our guest uh, expert for this week's episode. I actually attended a panelist debate in Sydney on what is happiness, what does happiness mean, and there were some amazing people on the panel, but I was actually most impressed by the man hosting the event. Um, I think his approach to well-being, his approach to happiness was just really, really inspiring. And to see him taking action and actually becoming the founder of a really cool project and movement called Self-Appreciation Day uh, really inspired me. So without further ado, we're going to welcome this week's special guest who is Prima Smith, the founder of Self-Appreciation Day. Hello, mate. And there we go. Bloody telephone. Sorry, mate. Are you there? Yes, you can hear me. Yeah. So sorry, bloody the um the channel seven was trying to call me, and I bloody um tried to end them calling, um but accidentally ended our conversation. So I'm really really sorry about that. Oh, good, mate. For those who are jumping on and listening, um we were just starting to record <laughs> our amazing interview today and had a little technical glitch. Which I think has been almost our theme of, of lining up this episode. Um, <laughs> we were joking before that somehow we've managed to navigate technology. And I think we may have spoken too soon. We and, did speak uh... too soon. <laughs> but mate, honestly, um, thank you and, and welcome again to the show. I will welcome you back on a second time so that our lovely audience at home can hear this. I was um, letting them know how we met and, and you know sort of what came into that being a nice little coincidence there. One week I'm in Sydney in the last couple of months is the week that there happens to be a great talk on happiness and what happiness is on at a local bar. And of course, you were hosting that night and part of the panel. So it was just a really cool opportunity to get to connect with you and and find out more about yourself. And I was very, very inspired by you and a little bit of your story that I was privileged enough to hear that night. So I do really appreciate you spending some of your time today to come on to this podcast and share some of more of your story, but also some of your uh, knowledge and, and values as well. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Thank you. And uh, yes, I think we did speak to, I spoke too soon. Um, I think I was getting a little bit too confident uh, thinking, yep, big dog knows how to use this technology. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Bit of a pioneer, mate, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm give sure me we'll a- get there. Uh, give me, give me some feathers and a hook and I can make you the perfect uh, fly to go fishing. But uh, give me a telephone. I don't know what I'm bloody doing with this thing. <laughs> well, we'll see if we can uh, work it out over the rest of this episode. Man, I did want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to those listening and tell them a little bit about yourself and sort of what led you to be the man you are today and with what you're doing today, especially around self-appreciation day that I know is coming up. Um, I'd love to hear more about your story and your background. As I said, I'm fascinated by the person behind the passion 
and behind the purpose. So tell us more about yourself, Matt. Um, well, I guess uh, thank you for uh, one, thank, one, one, thank you for allowing me being on your podcast, Eklund. Um and, and, and two, uh, thank you for everyone that's out there listening um, to be uh, part of my world and let me be part of your world. Um, I've, had a, I've had an exceptional, uh, amazing life um, from trials and tribulations and I guess um, uh, from humble beginnings. Um, I, was, uh, I'm a, I was born in Sri Lanka um, and at the age of three, I was put into an orphanage and um, then I, was a, I spent about six months in an orphanage and then a Tasmanian family went to Sri Lanka and adopted me. And uh, I moved back home. I moved to Tasmania in 1991, um, where I, I lived in Tassie for about uh, 20, till I was 25. Um, and then decided at age 25 that I always wanted to be an actor, um, film director, musician, and just really explore my creativity. And I've based myself in Sydney for the last five years, pursuing my career as a professional actor um, and a uh, film director and uh, a pop R&B singer-songwriter. So quite a few numbers of areas of creativity, but I guess it is all inside of my passionate realm of being creative. Mm. Yeah. Um, and sorry? Mate, let me ask you on that because I think that's really cool and quite fascinating. Um, to re, you know, to be so actively pursuing what you're passionate about, and so um, passionately pursuing it as well, right? And and following yeah. that creative purpose that that you feel, Matt. I'd love to ask where you feel that passion and drive comes from, because I think a lot of people allow their past to define them. Yeah. Um, and. You know, you've had, as you said, an exceptional and amazing life through many trials and tribulations. I guess what do um, you feel it is that allows you to move forward with that? Uh, well, I guess um, the I guess for me, I, I I really talk about not being a victim of your circumstances in your environment, um, mm. and we'll go back to the early stages of uh, my humble upbringing. Um, so I was adopted into a white family, moved to Tasmania in 1991 and Tasmania was the, um, the, the, the pinnacle point of opportunity, but also self-awareness and awakening of society. Um, I guess it was really tough for the first 10 years of my life growing up in Tasmania. Uh, one of only one being a black, um, black boy, you know, a white society and especially in a very narrow minded society. Um, and I was probably one of only, you know, five or six black kids in the whole of the, the state at the time. So um, I used to get bullied extremely badly uh, for, for about 10 years. Um, and for being black, uh, the teachers used to say to my parents, we don't know how to teach a colored kid. The parents wouldn't let me play with their, uh, with their kids. And I guess back those days, it was socially accepted for people to yell out, don't let the black boy, black boy get the ball. I used to play mm. soccer and all types of sports. And it was always used to be, you know, black, black, this, black, black, that. And so I was always bullied for being of this color, um, which none of that um, I would ever take back because it taught me to have resilience and unconditional about self-love and self-care and self-respect. Mm. Um, but I guess well, and that's on one side of the coin. I had that um, huge, uh, you know, uh, struggle to find my um, per- 
and my purpose and identity, I guess, and um, actually made me find my identity. But on uh, another uh, unfortunate, more more unfortunate was that my mother she suffered from schizophrenia mm. really badly. So um, the most amazing and most beautiful woman um, in the world taught me to be a gentleman, taught me how to read and write, taught me how to dance, taught me how to find the fruits and flavors of love. But when my mother flipped out with a schizophrenia, uh, and she wasn't diagnosed back then, but um, due to my upbringing of mental health and understanding about mental health and educational aspect of that, I now know that that's what she had. Um, my mother used to beat the shit out of me like every day. And, uh, and there were many times I'd wake up in hospital um, or I'd, I'd just black out. Um, she used to, um, she used to just go crazy. And um, some of the things that my mother did, they, they wouldn't do in prison camps. Like mm. it was, a, it was, it was, a, so the first 10 years was a complete struggle, complete, like, where am I? Um, I remember as a four or five year old kid having such unlimited amount of fear um, mm. because I'd be like, I'm going to, I know that I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get bashed up. And then I'm like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get bashed up. And I'm like, what the hell? Where am I? What is this? Why is my life like this? Mm. Um, it's so the first 10 years of my life um you know i just like where do i belong like what is this i don't know i don't am i not good enough for anybody um which was a great awakening because it made me realize that um i didn't need to be good enough for everybody i just had to be good enough for myself wow what a powerful realization and a powerful you know life lesson to take from a place of such adversity I I love when you say that, you know, a big part of your teaching is for people to not um, be defined by their past or their situations, right? To to learn and to grow through it. I think it's been very well said before and documented that it's not what happens to us in life, but how we respond to it that makes the world of difference. And it Mm. is really remarkable and inspiring to hear how you've taken these situations and, and learned from them and grown from them. And as you said, found resilience and the beauty in it as well um, that was there. It's, I imagine, a big contributor to because, when, mate, when I first met you, one of the first the things that stood out to me was the, the passion and zest and energy for life that you have. Do you feel that that zest for energy, that pa- sorry, that zest for life and that passion for life has been developed as a result of, um, you know, what's, what you've gone through over your whole yeah, life? Definitely. All of the, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, um, when you fear for your life um, on all aspects at a young age, um, when life is good, you just like, wow, this is the greatest thing. Um, mm. you know, and, and I guess I, I, I had, uh, a whole lot of fear in my own safety and, you know, and, and days thinking that I'm not, I, I'm, this is the last day I, I won't see light again, you mm. know, and coming except in terms of that, you know, um, and then, you know, when you'd, you'd wake up and come, I mean, it'd be a new day and be a new hour you'd be like okay you know what just pick myself up um and i guess uh, there was a tipping point in every aspect of life there's an amazing author named malcolm gladwell um you should check out his book an amazing yes book. i love malcolm gladwell yeah oh, i'm glad uh, yeah and if you and he, and he talks about the tipping point and yes. i guess it's a true thing um i had a tipping point where life just changed um mm. and what it was it was in year seven um there was like these I had a tipping point um, where my life completely changed. Um, there was these five bullies that used to bash the hell out of me. 
And they used to lock me in the janitor's office every lunch hour, right? And lean up against the door. And they would sit there and um, I would sit in the janitor's office. And uh, this used to happen all the time. And then one day I was in this janitor's office. I thought, you know what? I'm going to have a look around in this place. And it was actually quite a big room. And I noticed that there was a back door. And I opened the back door to this janitor's office and I pushed into this bush. And this um, door, bush was in the science lab. And um, I went outside and I played for like all my lunch hour. And I and then and the bell went. I ran back in and I just did this every. Uh, I did this kind of happened all the time for about a whole term. And uh, I was telling this uh, my next door neighbour, this old bloke, and he said, "I said how these boys are picking on me, but you know, uh, sucked into them because they're wasting their lunch time and I'm like outside playing." <laughs> and um, he's like, "Prema, you need to divide and conquer, son. Divide and conquer." And at that point, as a 13-year-old boy, I'm like, what the hell is this old man talking about? I didn't understand the power of his words until it come into fruition. Um, see, what happened was there was once uh, I was in a town called Latrobe and uh, I saw one of the bullies and I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, he was walking towards me with a footbath and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to smack this boy so hard uh, because uh, I had to learn how to fight very quickly at a very young age. And I thought, it's just me and him. I'll give him a good flog him. I'll, you know, boom, boom, boom. And I'm ready to get up and uh, hit him. And uh, as I got close to him, to this guy, he, he goes to me, he goes, hey, mate. And I'm like, hey. And he goes, what are you doing here? And he just starts talking to me like normal. Mm. And very quickly, I was like, oh, what's going on here? Um, I'm good. And he's like, do you want to hang out? I'm like, uh, okay. Anyway, we, we started chatting. We went through the walk through the town. And then we got to his parents' place where he lived and in the front of his house there was like a broken down car another broken down car we walk into his house and his mum screaming at him and all the kids and just belittling him in front of me and then we go into his room and he's just got a simple mattress laying on the floor with no blankets a pillow without a pillowcase nothing in his room and Mm. I thought to myself very quickly I thought shit this boy so he doesn't hate me he's hating his life yeah you know he's not attacking me he's he's hurting on the inside and we end up having a great, um, great, like this great day. And then um, um, I went back to school on Monday and four out of five boys beat me up for that week. And yep. he had no, had no part in that. And then that, um, and this is the law of, um, the law of the universe. It's just an amazing concept. Um, the next weekend, um, I was at a place called Shearwater and I saw another one of my bullies and he, this guy was a bit of a bigger guy. So I got this piece of wood. I'm like, I'm going to smack this guy hard. I'll hit him with a 4B2 and then we'll just go for town and teach him not to play, mess with me, right? And that was my, in my mind. Anyway, I got up to him and he just, um, he said to me, he's like, hey, man, what are you doing out this part of the area? And I was like, oh, this boy's talking. This is really weird. Um, and I'm like, oh, just my dad's fishing down the road and I'm just hanging around. And he's like, oh, okay. And um he just started talking to me normal um, and we went to the, this golf course and his mum used to work at this golf course. And uh, one of the things, if you collect all the golf balls from the bush and take them back to the golf course, they'll give you money or um, they'll give you lollies. Mm. And so we spent half the day doing this, going through the scrub, picking all these golf balls out. And then I realized, I said, hey, mate, this is such a, a slow, painful way of doing it. Let's sit on the path four and when the guys hit the ball, um, we'll just collect their balls. It'd be so much easier. <laughs> I 
just like it's a no-brainer. Why are we running through all this scrub, you know? And he was like, man, that's the greatest idea. So we just collected – We collect, I reckon we collected 150 balls, man. 200. <laughs> <laughs> Then we went back to the um, golf course. We cashed them all in. And the mum was really was like, did you find all these balls in the bush? We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, she um, then invited us around, invited um, around to their place for dinner. And we had this beautiful roast lamb. And um, I ended up staying the night and spent the whole weekend with this beautiful family. And I created something. And there was a, there was a shift in my brain, a huge shift in my brain. There was a huge shift in the universe at that point. You know, I went back to school on Monday and um, – and two out of uh, uh, two out of five boys weren't beating me up, and it just got to a couple of weeks into that um, second term that it just it just stopped, and I actually had started gaining respect from these bullies. And the funny thing is, these bullies that used to beat the hell out of me when I was in primary school and high school, I've all been in and out of jail. But they're the guys that will, um, at any given time, if I click my fingers, wherever I am in the world, they would do whatever they can to come and protect me or stand up for me, you know, and I've mm. got amazing relationships and friendships with these guys. And, um, and I guess what I realized when I was a 13, 13 and a half year old boy was that um, the only way I'm going to win with my life is knowing that I'm enough mm. and knowing that I'm not going to win with my arms, my fists. I'm going to win with my, my love because that's the only thing I have. I'm only a small little boy. Um, that's a, and I'm going to win with love. And it's funny because my name means the king of all lovers. That's my name. My name, Prima wow. means king of all lovers. And my biological mother gave me that name. And then my parents decided to keep that name. Wow. And um, I guess I learned as a 13 and a half year old boy that this is the only way I'm going to win. I'm going to live. I'm going to win with empathy, compassion, kindness, and I'm going to give you unconditional kindness and, um, and, and I guess at that point, too, I was so strong because I was broken in so many different ways. I've been beaten the hell out of physically, emotionally, um, spiritually, that I built myself, I rebuilt myself into the masterpiece that I was able to then leverage my life from. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and then, um, and, that's, and then my life become, I was able to be me. Um, for the first time, my life knew that um, I am me. And I, you know, eight, year eight, nine, and ten. It's a uh, very amazing life. And then, um, I guess then, um, going on to the story of being enough. Um, at age twenty, I brought myself a restaurant. I brought myself an Indian restaurant, which I ran for about five years. Mm. And uh, it was a funny story because when I told my parents, mum and dad, I'm going to buy an Indian restaurant. My mum was like, "What do you know about Indian food?" And dad was like, "What do you know about business?" And both mm. of which I didn't know the answers to those two questions. <laughs> and it was funny because I was like, oh, I'll just go to the bank and I'll get a loan. And yeah. I went to the bank because I just thought this would be simple. I don't know the answers to my parents' questions, but that's okay. And I went to the bank and the bank said to me, so they said, uh, do you have a business plan? And I'm like, uh, no, what's a business plan? What do I need one of them for? And then like, do you have any savings? I'm like, uh, no, what do I need savings for? Um, I'm coming to the bank. I'm coming to you guys. That's why I'm coming to you guys. Um, and they're like, no, no, we, we can't help you. Yeah. Um, and I guess this, the moral behind this story is that, and I, try, I love people to know this story because the, the no's um, were 99 and my mm -hmm. yes was just one. Yeah. And that was me being enough. And um, 
uh, I was like, and I told this guy who owned the restaurant, I said, listen, let me, I'm going to buy your restaurant off you. Um, I, I'm, I'm Sri Lankan. I know I love people. I know I love cooking. I know that if I own this restaurant, no one's going to argue with me because I'm just going to tell them that it's my mum's recipe and I'm going to, I'm going to learn from you. So I went back to the bank and I told the bank, Hey, listen, I'm going to buy a car and I'm going to buy a car for 57,000, which was the highest I could, um, on a personal loan back then yep. with about 15% interest. And, um, I got, got the loan, went to the guy who owned the place and said, listen, here's, here's the money cash. Um, and, I'll pay you so much every uh, every every week, and also pay you a small wage. So then you can teach me how to cook curries. Yep. And and I guess it was um the first year was the most amazing most amazing year. I um I never knew nothing about myob. I knew nothing about um uh, accounting, nothing like that. So it was like all these things that people are like. Have you got this? Have you got this? You need to do this. You need to have this. You know, do you know, have the answers? There was no answers, but my vision was to have a restaurant because I knew I loved cooking. I knew I loved food. I knew that I had great personality that I could, I could wing it because I knew that I was enough. Mm. Um, so that was, um, that was my restaurant. It was called Indian Affair. It was in Tasmania and I had it for five years. Um, and then when I was 22, um, I started up a landscaping business. Knew nothing about landscaping, knew nothing about horticulture, but I knew that my, my why was stronger than my how. Mm. Um, and my why was the fact that um, I employed all these intellectual uh, disability kids to come work in my restaurant. Um, I believe it's my responsibility. Those who are less fortunate emotionally, physically, spiritually have better opportunities made if I can help them. So anyway, I employed a whole heap of them. And then one day I realized that um, I'm actually paying more in wages and I'm actually uh, earning through my mm. restaurant. And not only that, like my restaurant was really quiet during the day, but it was really busy during the night. Yep. And I thought there's got to be another way. I was, I was, one, I was getting bored and two, um, financially, I wasn't, um, you know, I was going to go backwards. Yep. So what I did is I borrowed my mate's lawnmower, I borrowed my mate's whippersnipper and brought a van and I just went door knocking for about three months. And out of, uh, out of 10 people, eight people would say no and two people would say yes. So I'd mow the lawns and I'd whippersnip and, um, over a period of three months, I built a clientele of 40 people and um, employed, these, employed these kids to come and work for me in the landscaping business. And I guess uh, when my parents, when I told my parents three months later, hey, I'm going to um, start up a landscaping business, they were like, what do you know about landscaping business? And what do, when are you going to have time? Everyone laughed at me when I told them I'm going to start up a landscaping business. They were like, how are you going to run a restaurant and a land, run a landscaping business? That's just stupid. Um, and I was like, I'll make it happen. And I ended up running that business. It was called Premier's Green Thumb for uh, three years. And it was uh, extremely successful. And I, anybody out there who's, who's struggling to make an income and has got a lawnmower and wants to work hard, please go out and start a landscaping business where you're just mowing and whippersnipping because it's such a great way to get outside and you see instant results by mowing some by. I think there's no more reward than going to someone's house that was messy and mm. tidying it up and just leaving. Like, Man, the house looks so much better. Yeah, like, yeah. I loved it. I loved the smell of cut grass and I love physical, I love physical hard work. So that was one of my, I guess that was one of my greatest successes was um, running that landscaping business. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I ended up, uh, and then I turned 25 and I realized that, Hey, um, I want to be an actor. 
now. Um, mm. I'm kind of tired working seven days a week as a um, in my businesses because it, the dream is to have your own business, but unless you know how to um, make your business work for you, you end up working mm-hmm. for your business, and that's mm-hmm. what I found myself doing, just um, working for my business all the time. And um, yeah, and when I told my parents, said, "Mum and Dad, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna move to Sydney. I want to become a professional actor. I want to be like Will Smith and Kevin Hart." They're like, well, listen, you proved us wrong with everything else. You don't listen to us anyway. You think you know everything. Um, do it. So that's exactly what I did. I um, sold my restaurants, sold my restaurants, sold my landscaping business. And I just literally had an overnight bag and I moved to Sydney. Um, and I spent four nights at King's Cross. It was the most amazing time of my life. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Um, uh, applied for some acting schools, got accepted into... Um, an acting school that only accepts eight students a year full time. And I studied for three years. And then two years later, I decided to just go out in the real world and start hustling and, and try to make this dream a reality. Man, I think there's so much that people can learn from your story. There's so many key themes and, and morals through that about, you know, I love the one that you said where even if there's 99 no's, if you're the one saying yes, then you can still achieve it. And yeah. I know that, you know, you mentioned with your, uh, bullies at school you know making a change to the world and winning in life not with your fists and by fighting but by showing love and compassion and care to those around you I know you're also a huge advocate for people showing that love compassion and care and appreciation to themselves um, talk to me about that how did that become a thing because I know a big passion project you're working on at the moment is self-appreciation day which for those people listening to this podcast definitely jump online and check out self-appreciation day it's coming up very soon isn't it Yep, yep. Self-appreciation days on the 14th of September. Uh, please jump on our all our social media platforms, social uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook. Um, go onto our website, selfappreciationday.com. Self-appreciation day um, came from the greatest loss that I've ever had in my life. Um, my, my best friend, sorry, I'm going to get a bit emotional here. Uh, my best friend of 26 years, uh, Passed away February this year. Mm. Um, he had diabetes really bad and had a lack of insulin and he died in his sleep. And uh, the day I went and we flew back to Tasmania, the day I was burying him, I get a phone call from my sister saying, hey, um, you need to jump on the next plane. Dad's been put into hospital. He's really unwell. We don't know what's wrong with him. You need to fly to Western Australia. Um, and I was like, okay, so... Um, Jumped on a plane, flew to Western Australia, and we're like, what's going on? And the doctor said, look, your father looks like he's got cancer. We like, we don't know how bad it is, but we, we've done some tests on his kidneys and his livers, and then there's a fair bit, there's a lot of uh, cancer there. Um, and the next day after that, they said, look, your dad's got stage four terminal cancer. We don't know how long he's going to live. Mm-hmm. And eight days later, he died. And uh, that was really hard. Mm. Really, um, and I was, yeah, my dad was the greatest man. Like, I not because he's my dad, he was just anyone that met him just loved him. Um, mm. my dad and I have we had the greatest banter. I don't banter with anyone like a banter with my dad. Um, uh, man, we were always trying to up each, always trying to outbeat each other. Always, like, um, neither one of us could like walk on the footpath behind one like behind each other because one of us we kept we knew that I'd be trying to trip him or he'd be trying to trip me. You know, we always... 
you know, like we, it just, it, it honestly couldn't happen. Like it, um, it used to annoy my dad's girlfriend how stupid we would be, mm. uh, <laughs> you know, and childish. But he was my best friend, and I, um, I guess February was such a shock to me this year, and I, I got back to back to Sydney in um, the beginning of March, and I just was like, wow, what just happened? Um, I cancelled all my film and TV work, and which I had an excessively an amazing career in the film industry last year and had a lot of momentum behind me for this following year. And um, anyway, I decided to cancel everything because I knew that um, I needed to have this time of grieving. I knew that I had to have this time of um, mm-hmm. solace. Um, and I, I, I wanted to liberate my emotions. And for the first time in my life, I, I, I was empty every single day of my life. Every single day for the first month, I was empty. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had nothing to give to the world. Um, and I realized that when um, I had a, a job that I told these people I would host um, a film festival awards night and I remember being on the microphone and I just had nothing to give anybody on the microphone. Mm. And I realized that all right, I'm not doing anything because I've got nothing to give people. And I guess um, also what was happening was my brain, I couldn't have access to my brain, Declan. Um, I was trying to remember things. I was trying to um, take information out and store information. Neither one was happening. So... I knew that was just, this was a problem and I knew that I needed to eradicate this straight away and um, fix this. So I went and see my doctor and I told, I said, doctor, you need to give me a psychologist. I need to get my brain right. And I said, you can't give me just anybody that reads out of a book because I can do that. Mm. I do do that. And he goes, Prema, I'll give you my psychologist. And I said, doctor, why are you seeing a psychologist? And he said, uh, Prema, I was in the Gulf War and the things that I saw last year, I tried to kill myself three times. And uh, he started crying and I started crying and we had this really beautiful moment. And through that moment, I, um, I said to him, I said, hey, listen, I'm thinking about running a campaign called Self-Appreciation Day. Um, and he said to me, he said, Prema, do that. He goes, every day I come into this office, I put on this mask and everyone turns to me with their problems and, and I have to diagnose them or uh, medicate them. I, my wife, my family, everyone you know, turns to me to be the answer. And he goes, there's not a single day that goes past that I don't know what I appreciate about myself. Mm. Um, and I was like, okay, done. So I spent a couple of months with my psychologist, most amazing lady. She's going to be part of my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, she helped me get my brain back to 15 years, 10 years, five years to the present moment. Helped me go through the, um, the grief of losing Adam and mm. losing my dad. I mean, I didn't even get to say goodbye emotionally to Adam because I was straight into my, my father's. Mm. Um, you know, um, eight days of passing. And um, I guess, um, I, and I told her, I was like, hey, I'm going to run a campaign called Self-Appreciation Day. And she asked me why. And I said to her, I said, because one of the biggest things I find human beings do is they tell me very quickly what their worst habits are. They can tell me very quickly and passionately what they want to change about themselves. But very few people can tell me uh, what they appreciate about themselves. Mm. And I think, when you know what you appreciate about yourself, because I know what I appreciate about myself, then I set self-care and self-love and self-respect and I set a standard of how I want to live my life and I know that has a ripple effect uh, individually and as a collective in society if we can teach people that. Um, yeah, I think the best and, way to change then, the world is to start by changing ourselves first, right? Like if we want to... Yeah. And I know you, you chose the, the day for Self-Appreciation Day to sort of highlight that. Uh, I know you yep. shared that that message when we met. Would you mind sharing that message and, and the reason behind the date with Ellison? Yeah. 
Um, so the 14th of September, it took me a while to work it out, but something of higher source told me about this idea and this, um, this date. And I figured that um, the 14th of September is seven days before International World Peace Day. Mm. And um, I figured that, and our belief is before we have world peace, let's have inner peace. And before mm. we have inner peace, let's just learn to liberate our own individual qualities and, and pat ourselves on the back for the great things that we do or the good things, the things or the ch- things that we achieved, you know, um, stop, stop um, beating ourselves up and um, depriving us of our success and happiness. You know, you know it's um, such a powerful video that you guys have done recently for self-awareness. Day. I checked it out the other day. And for those listening, definitely go check out this video where you were asking people things that they didn't like about themselves or that they thought they could improve upon or needed to fix and they could give you a thousand different things on that list yeah you ask well what's something that you really appreciate about yourself and it took people longer to get it but when they did that you see the moment when someone actually appreciates themselves right like their eyes light up there's a whole change in their emotional state and it's really beautiful to see like you've captured it in an amazing way um to see that spread more and to see that continue as, as a part of what you're doing with not only in self-appreciation day, but with your life as a whole is going to be amazing to see that positive ripple spread across the globe. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. That's really beautiful. I really appreciate that, that you are, that you, that you could see that because uh, that's, that's exactly the message that we wanted to highlight for the people mm. and to the viewers. Yeah. Man. Um, man, I could talk to you all day and just continue picking your brain. And I, I would absolutely love to, um, but we are running close to the end of the episode. Um, so I'd love if you could sort of, for the people listening, what do you think are three good tips that you have for them on how they can just begin to practice a bit of self-appreciation day, especially leading up to um, self-appreciation day itself? How can they begin practicing that self-appreciation? Um, okay. Well, the first first step is like just to ask yourself, what are, the, what, what are like, uh, what is three things that I appreciate about my life and what I have in my life? Mm. Um, you know, I use, I use the saying all the time, you know, learn to have less expectation and have more gratification. Yeah. And, you know, um, and uh, one, you know, one, one little thing to do is um, every day um, catch yourself in thought and say, Hey, what do I appreciate about today? Mm. Um, or what do I appreciate about what's in front of me? And then if you consciously do that, also then you can then go to the next step. Like, what do I, who do I appreciate, you know, yeah. and why, you know, ask that question. And one of the biggest things is we're trying to teach that in the schools right now. That's, that's a huge curriculum that we're, we're building is teaching the kids and teaching human beings. Who do I appreciate? Why? What mm. do they appreciate about me and why? And mm. if you can work out what do you, what does, what do my friends appreciate about me or my mum appreciates about me and write that down and know, know what the why is. And then that will really open up your the synopsis in your brain to be like, hey, um, well, knowing that, what was it, what is it that I appreciate about myself because of yeah. knowing those things? Yeah, gotcha. And, so it's almost like a way to lead into it, right? Because sometimes yeah. asking, what do you appreciate about yourself can be too big of a jump for people's minds to make. It can be a big yeah. leap. But I love that idea of sort of coaxing the mind and the brain into it and opening up doors of opportunity for that. Um, by asking first, what do you know my friends and family appreciate about me and why? Yeah, and even asking, you know, asking your loved ones, asking your best friend, and just being being um, comfortable enough to say this is 
not anything to be silly about. It's actually, hey, I'm going to be genuine. What do you, what do you, what do you appreciate about me as a as a husband or as a as a brother or as a sister or a wife or a, you know a fiance or whatever, mm. and, and allow that beautiful conversation to come into play because sometimes we don't know how amazing we are until someone tells us that, yeah. you know, and highlights that, you know, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that you really appreciate that aspect about me, and oh, now I feel really good, and then you can have oh. You know, you can have those, um, you can take those little parts of gold because that's gold. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's magic. Magic is everywhere, everywhere. Um, mm. I guess, yeah. And one of the biggest things I practice, and I know we're trying to, we're going to try to wrap up very quickly, but I practice every day trying to find beauty in my space. Yes. And we are all part of space as space is part of us and yes. looking for what is beautiful. Like literally I'd done it as a habitual action for two decades uh, was to find beauty, beauty and looking at a leaf, you know, how plants have always five or three leaves, you know, how a flower has, you know, um, the, the petals, all the different colors, you know, the way um, as someone makes a building, a car, you know, appreciation and, and really creating a habitual action of physically doing that. And if you do that for 21 days, that will literally will become a habitual action and there'll be news, uh, synopsis, wiring or firing in your brain. Mm. Mate, so, so powerful. And there's so much, uh, I know for a fact that there's going to be so much life-changing value that people have taken from listening to your story and also listening to your words of wisdom um, towards the end there with those actions that they can practice if people did want to connect with you more and support Self-Appreciation Day more, which I highly recommend everyone listening to this podcast does, um, how can they best get in touch with you and, and reach out and connect? Look, um, everybody is welcome. Um, my, my dinner table is open for everybody. Um, and so like, if you want to connect me, um, hit me up on uh, uh, Instagram, uh, Prema Smith, P-R-E-M-A. Smith S M I T H um, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Um, email me at I am at premasmith.com. Um, yeah, you uh, just Google me. There's, you can contact me any any way possible. And I'm I love meeting new people, and I love um, having people reach out to me and tell me their stories, and allowing me to be part of their life. And and uh, and that's that's where it's really at. So. If anybody um, jump onto our you know, self appreciation day website um, and fill out the information, and there's a hundred and one ways you can connect with me, and um, and I'm open to connecting with everybody because uh, you know unity is the community, and we do it from inside out. Mate, I love that so much, and honestly, once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so so much for uh, volunteering some of your time today to jump on the podcast and also for navigating the treacherous terrains that is technology uh, in order to be on the podcast today. <laughs> yeah. It's been an absolute blessing for me to connect with you further, to get to know you more and to have the opportunity to share your story and um, your knowledge with, with our community. So honestly, thank you once again. I really do appreciate it. Nah, thank you, mate. I, I love this and I love the fact that what you're doing, I mean, you're creating opportunities for other people and um, you're, you're a bloody legend, mate. I, I much respect that. It's an honor to be on the show. So thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have an amazing day. And I'm sure you and I'll be connecting again very soon. Yeah, definitely, mate. Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Happy Wednesday. See ya. See you, brother. Take care. Bye-bye.
Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I teared up quite a few times um, during that interview with the amazing premise Smith, actually hearing his story and, and some stories from his upbringing, but also hearing the morals behind that. Like, it really is inspiring to to see someone you know, taking difficulties and hardships in life and turning them into blessings and opportunities and really growing from them. He's making such an incredible difference in the world. So please do go check him out on all the social media uh, channels at Premise Smith and also at Self-Appreciation Day. I think it's something we can all get behind and rally behind to uh, appreciate ourselves more and start with that change internally in order to spread that positive ripple effect moving forward. Now, next week is going to be another another episode with me, and then we're actually going to be taking a three-week break here at the BU with Duncan Edwards podcast, whilst I head on over to Africa with eight of our amazing members to do a two-week Serengeti safari, and then climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So make sure you tune in next week for the last episode before we have our three-week break for Africa, and then when I'm back from Africa, we'll be picking up as normal from there. We've got some amazing, amazing guest speakers coming up, some amazing topics coming up. So as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here on the podcast with me, for volunteering your time to invest in yourself with this podcast. And as always, from the bottom of my heart, be empowered, be exceptional, be you. I'll see you next week.